Hi there, welcome to podcast 99 from Football Annual. We're so close to 100 now. We're your home of Dutch football. I'm Michael Statham, joined by Mike Bell, the Football Annual editor. We have much discussed today. It's been a little while since our last podcast. We'll be discussing the Netherlands call-ups ahead of the last couple of games before the World Cup. So there are some new names in the squad. We'll be revealing who those are and our thoughts on those. The Eredivisie season has started. Ajax lead the, the table in its early stages after five games. And there's European games coming up as well. Lazio play Feyenoord and Ajax have got their first Champions League game as well. It's all coming thick and fast as the games condense out of the World Cup. Mike, how are you feeling? Have you enjoyed the start of the Eredivisie season? Yeah, I think it's been, been a busy start. It's plenty to talk about. Um transfers. I'm glad the, the transfer window's over so we can finally set on just watching some games. And yeah, we've got the the first Netherlands squad of the season as well, which I think's which I think's an interesting one. And you know, they've got the Champions League and European games coming up as well. So I think it's you know it's gonna be a busy few months heading into the World Cup. Mm. And if you do enjoy the podcast, give them a like, subscribe if you're new, whether that's on YouTube or SoundCloud or um, Apple Podcasts. And if you would like to get involved, please do comment either on Twitter or on the YouTube comments. What do you think about the Netherlands call-ups? Are you happy with these ahead of the World Cup? Do you think any of these players are going to stick around the squad? Without further ado, um, let's actually put the squad in front of me here. I've got here that we've got Joey Veerman in the squad. Finally, Mike, you must be so pleased that the PSG midfield is in the, in the team. Um, Andreas Nopper is a goalkeeper that's been called up from Herdenveen. He might be the third, fourth or fifth choice goalkeeper, but it's, it's good to see a new name in there um, in terms of that. Um, we've got Brian Brobby and Kenneth Taylor called up to the squad. Pascal Strauch, again, has been called up from Leeds United. Um, and Jerry, Jeremy Frimpong could also make his debut. Um, but no space, Chavi Simmons, the Eredivisie top goal scorer in the, the early stages of the season. I agree with that. I think he's too young to get involved at the moment. And we after the World Cup, we really do see him more involved. Really pleased with him though, start of the season. I think he's really, uh, I know they've had some easier games, PSV, but you can see how he's going to really grow into a, a great player coming into the season. But let's talk about the players that are involved, Mike. Uh, you, Joey Veerman, just Joey Veerman. <laughs> yeah, I've been championing a bit to see him in an Evelyn squad for you really have. Ever, since really he, have. ever since he joined uh, PSV. But even before that, I thought Aaron Bain, if you're going to call up, you know, um, a midfielder, I think that. You know, the midfield's something that it's not the weakest in everyone's. Um, you know, you got Frankie De Jong in there, you've got Cook Miners as well, but I think that it misses it's something. Like I think, crazy, yeah, and I think you need somebody like a Joy Veerman in there. Um and yeah, he's finally got his call he deserves, and I just hope he, he sticks in there for the actual squad. And you know, this is only provisional that he's in. So, you know, there's gonna be a few players that are gonna get, get chopped away, but I really hope that, that he's one of the ones that sticks in there, especially if you know, we see players like David Carson getting caught up again, even though he's not a regular starter for Ajax. So, I mean, if Van Hal starts picking, you know, your classes again over somebody like Joey Veerman, who's, who's had a good start to the season, then, you know, you've got to try and question that. But, you know, I think it's good to see Nopper. You know, he's, he's kept four clean sheets in five games for Heron Bain. Um, and, you know, he made another really good save today in their nil-nil draws. So, I think it's interesting to see him. It's a new name. It's nice for him. He's 28. Um, you know, it wasn't too long ago that you know he's getting picked up by Go Ahead Eagles as a free agent because he didn't have yeah. a club. So yeah. to go from that to to Heronvain to the Netherlands squad is is some achievement. But I think he's had that given the start to the season, and 
Yeah, you know, the two Ajax boys, Taylor and Brobby, I think they've both had very good starts this season. I think that Taylor's chipped in on quite a few goals and, and Brobby looks good up front. So not a surprise to see either of those. And, and Frimpong as well, he's he's right back. He was going to be in the squad before he got injured. So, yeah, it's just uh, he's had a good start this season with Leverkusen. He's actually chipped in a few goals as well. So he's an attacking right back like Dumfries. So he gives another option at that position. So overall, I think the squad's a, a good one. I think that... Most of the players that should be there are there, you know, maybe yeah. a few yeah. questionable ones, you know, Bruno Martin's Indy again, um, over somebody such as Pechalda, or even Sven Botman, who's, who's been getting rave reviews for, for my club Newcastle, so I don't really know why mm. he's not in there. Um, but yeah, overall, I'm happy with the squad. And for me, you know, someone like Xavi Simmons, as you say, he's, he's young, he's, he's had a good start to the season. PSV have had some easy games, you know, scored against some of the lower clubs, but I think he was the best player on the pitch when he came on against Rangers, you know, that horrible match that PSV, PSV ended up losing, but when he came on, PSV just looked so much better, and then against 20, the game they lost the weekend, he was the only really bright spark in that side, and playing at number 10 in the second half, so yeah, he's young, and you might say that we can wait till after the World Cup, but you know, he's something that everyone's lack, which is creativity in the number 10 position. So if he continues this, if he has a really good game in midweek in the Europa League, and then if he has a really good game at the weekend, you never know. He could sneak into the squad. And if you ask me, would I rather see Xavi Simmons or would I rather see David Klaas? And it's Xavi Simmons, um, 10 times out of 10. Despite Klaassen's experience, another point I'm getting here is it's nice to see some new names, particularly younger players. But if you've got players that have been in this team for 30, 40, 50 caps, how likely is it you'll see some of these newer names getting a place either in the starting 11 in the World Cup or part of that 50, those 15 players that are going to be on the pitch for, for those games? Do you think it's really going to mix things up or are these players that are much to be cut? Come the final squad. I hope we mixed up because I don't think everyone's I don't think he's made 100% the right choices so far um, in his squad selections. And players like Bynaldum are out, and you know David Cass is not playing anymore. Um, so he, he's got to freshen up a bit. And I think that some of the young bud that's coming out this season, you know, Kenneth Taylor is, is a guaranteed starter. He didn't start a weekend, but he came out at half time, basically for Ajax this season. David Cass is not. So I think you got to pick players on if they deserve it rather than being an experienced name or a more famous name, someone who's like David Carson. But, you know, Van Hal has his, has his choices. You know, he, he picks Bruno Martins Indy because he likes someone he's worked on before. So here's the question what he's going to do. Um, but, you know, I'd like to see some of these young players named in the final squad because these are the last two games he gets to experiment before the World Cup. So why not give Robbie, why not give Veerman a chance before he has to then Pick the squad for Qatar. Mm. Let's see your cat there yeah. make a little appearance. Yeah, he's right behind the screen, so I'm going to actually move him. I'm guessing your cat doesn't have an opinion on Kenneth Taylor being in the squad, so I'll ask you <laughs> instead. Um, what do you think is making him so so good in these early stages of the season? Last season, he didn't really get much of an opportunity, and now he has been given that chance. Why is he being so good, and why do you think Van Hal likes him? I think he just does all the basics, right? I think he's one of these tidy Ajax midfielders that comes through and he can pass the ball, he can he can he can score goals. He's chipped in quite a few um this season already. And I think he's just a very calm head in the midfield, and I think that's what Van Hal likes. I don't know if he adds anything much different from somebody like uh 
a coop miners, we know, would rather have Kenneth Taylor next to Frankie DeYoung or rather have coop miners, you know, that debate is still out there. I think that over the course of the season, I think we'll see more from Kenneth Taylor, but I think he just looks so comfortable since coming into the Ajax 11 and he's taken over from, from Gravenberch easily. And you look a worse aside, I think that, you know, um, Abitruda noticed that against at the weekend to you know, bring him straight back on it in the second half. And yeah, I think he's he's taken to the Eredivisie perfectly. You know, last season he was in and out the side, you know, Ayrton Hag wanted to send him on loan, he said no. Um, I think he's been vindicated that he is Ajax quality and I think that this call-up is deserved and I think that he's going to be part of the Netherlands squad for, for years to come and if he can keep improving, keep scoring goals and keep putting in some dominant performances in the field, then he's, he's a definite asset going forward. We'll be posting some more coverage in the Netherlands towards these two fixtures. There's one against Poland and one against Belgium. Um, just a small heads up. I don't know if there'll be a, a live stream after the Poland game, but there will be after the Belgium one. Um, but, but what are these things that you want to see now from these last two games, Mike? Um, if we don't do a podcast between now and then, what do you want to tell everyone? What do you think people will be thinking as well that are watching this? What are those last little tweaks that Van Hal has to make? I think he needs to shore up, you know, the certain, I think, areas in the midfield that he needs to decide who's going to play where. Um, is it going to be Kurt Miners next to Frank De Jong? Who's going to play in the, the advanced role? Is it going to be even Cody Gakpo, who's number 10 for a while um, in previous internationals? You know, is he going to be the first choice there? Is it going to be Klassen or is it going to be somebody like Berghaus? Um, who's going to play up front? I think that it looks pretty obvious it's going to be Memphis and, and Bergwijn. Um, judging by the way Bergwijn started the season um, and the way he's yeah. played recently for Netherlands. I think that of all the attackers in the squad, Bergwijn's one that you can't really, really drop. Um, whereas, you know, Van Hal has to, has to answer why Memphis is in the squad, having not sing, played a single minute for Barcelona this this season. You know, he's getting in there because of how important he is for, for Netherlands. But, you know, Van Hal has said before that if you're not playing, you're not in the squad. So, it's interesting to see that Memphis is, is staying there, even though he's not played a minute yet. But yeah, you can't drop him. I mean, he's, he's too important to decide. And the other question of where mm-hmm. they've got so left back, you know, is he going to stick with Daily Blind, even though Molassi has had has an excellent start for, for Man United? I think that since Molassi took over from Shaw, Man United have won every game that he started. So <laughs> can you really justify? I'm not saying it's down to, to Molassi being a left back, but, you know, if he's. If he's doing that in the Premier League week in, week out, um, you know, Man United are winning games, then can you really justify Shoehorn and Daly Blinder just because of Blind's passing ability? It's, it's a difficult one, but I think that you, you will see Blind. Um, and this is where I see a bit of rotation, a bit of confidence, and, and two wins, obviously, to, to actually get through to the next round of the Nations League because that's the ultimate ultimate goal. You know, there's a trophy at the end of this tournament, you know, when everyone's at the top of the group. Um, you know, a, a strong performance away to Poland, which is going to be a tough game. And a, a Belgium come to visit looking for revenge after what we did to them in, in Belgium. So, yeah, I think it's two tough games, um, but two good experiments ahead of the World Cup. Mm, agreed. Two tough fixtures for that reason. I would be so surprised not to see Malassia though now. Blin has had the, the finest start to the season. There are several excellent centre-backs at Netherlands' disposal now. I don't see how he fits in there. So, Malassia should be given that chance. I'm really pleased that he's taken that move to Man United and it's worked out for him because he could easily have gone there and not played. 
um, or mm. gone there and it's been an awful situation for him, which he was to begin with, obviously. But he's now been in the team and they're winning games. So that that for me says that Van Hal should be picking him a left back. Um and also you, you lose Ben's passing ability. But you gain a lot what what last year does well as well. And I don't think that the Netherlands is the Blint is essential for for the passing. You know, you've got Frankie de Jong. Um He's just one of the best passers in the, in the world for that all that kind of build-up play and and that. So it's not essential. And Berkvine, yeah, I, I think this nice is nice thing to the next thing we should talk about in this podcast, and that is I actually start the season, which people thought you know that not no one's talking about them, no one's going wow look at Ajax, but they're winning their games. They won five out of five, and Berkvine, like Travis Simmons, is one of the top goal scorers in the league right now. Um, Berfine has been has been great. We kind of expected that if he could replicate his Netherlands form in, in the Eredivisie, he would probably be one of the top goal scorers. Such an important addition to them, and he's helped them forget all these departures from the club. Ajax's transfer window at the end that got a bit chaotic, didn't it? But they got some players in. I don't think there's any major gaps now in the side, um, and Berfine is is filling that massive hole that's been left by by Allaire. Um and they're doing okay, aren't they? Yeah, I think that you know it's, it's been a good start to the season. That, but I think the first real test to be this week against Rangers. I think that'll be where we see yeah. how how good a start the season it is for them. But yeah, I think that you know the transfer window wasn't great for them. I think that you know so many players wanted to leave, so many players did leave, and you know what happened to Alvarez and and Kudus just before the, the window shut as well. You know, it's it's a worrying time for Ajax because. Come January, those players are going to stamp their feet again and and go, you know, and that could be halfway through a really tight title race, and then you're losing Edson Alvarez, who is such a key player for for Ajax. Um, but I think that yeah, they've signed well. I think that you know Basti looks good at the back. I think Ocampos will be a, an excellent signing when he gets some some game time. Yeah. But you know, out that front three, who do you drop? You know, you got Tadic, who I know I've seen some Ajax fans criticising the way he's started the season and saying that. You know why can't you bench him? I even saw, I don't know if it was was Affi or someone like Schneider saying that you know you can't be too scared just to drop him um, to the bench because it seems like he always has to play every single game. Or if he gets taken off, it's in the last like couple of minutes. Um, whereas you know you got to see Campos, Bergvine, and, and Broby. I think that'd be a more effective pacey front three. Mm. And then yeah, I think that the youngsters that have come in, you know, likes of Kenneth Taylor who have adapted really well. So. I think it's a very positive start to the season so far for Ajax. I don't think they have any gaps, even though they have lost players. And yeah, I think Bergwijn's start to the season does mean that Anthony's loss isn't horrific. And you know the fact that Ajax got 100 million for for him, I think is is an excellent deal. And I think that you know if you're going to lose Martinez and, and Anthony, at least have sort of robbed my United blind by by getting that amount of, of money for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Anthony started and he scored today, but there's, there's still question marks whether he was, um, I wouldn't say that great a player. You know, he's, he is a good player, but is he worth 100 million? I wouldn't, I wouldn't have thought so, no, um, based on his nice. performances. And he lost the ball far too easily. And you know, a lot of people um, highlighted his game against Cronin. Um, he scored a couple of goals and he looked really good, but you know, that was. You know, a one in ten game for him. You know, just sometimes where he just he couldn't do anything and he, he lost the ball constantly. He was quite a a selfish player at times. And mm. if you look back at the Champions League last year, you wouldn't say it was Anthony that was the one that was starting for 
but aside as much as someone like Haller did in, in years gone by, somebody like even David Nares had an impact in the Champions League. I don't think Anthony did that for, for Ajax, but he's gone now. And I think that Ajax's front three isn't exactly hurt by it because you've got Robbie there and you've got a campus to come off the bench. You've got Conce Sal as well, who looks a, looks a decent talent on the bench as well. So, yeah, I think that Ajax fans can be pleased with the start of the season. I think there is room to improve and I think that we'll see just how good they are when they when they face Rangers who, you know, can frustrate, you know, they frustrated PSV, they made PSV look very, very ordinary and PSV very, were very, very ordinary um, and that, that lost them, it, which has got to be absolutely gotten for their fans because that was a huge opportunity. Yeah. I don't yeah. think Rangers are that, I don't want to be too disrespectful, but I don't think Rangers are that strong when you look at what happened at the weekend where they got absolutely battered by Celtic who just put them under pressure from the first minute and just overran them. And I think that if Ajax can yeah. impress them hard, go at them hard, then then they can do the same. So I think that I think it's, it's usually the case in in Europe that what PSV can't do, Ajax can. And I think that Ajax will maybe comfortably beat Rangers in the weekend. Weekend, and then PSV fans will be like, "Well, why couldn't we do that?" It's one that they have to win, I think, isn't it? If Ajax wants to progress, it's an interesting group that they're in, where any almost anything could happen. The start that Liverpool had for the season, um, you've got someone like Napoli in there, well, good side, but not that you know a top side in Italy. You've got um, Rangers, who aren't one of the worst for, um, fourth seeds that, that could have come out, and then Ajax, who we, we don't know quite yet how their impact will be with losing players and their, their manager and half. The jury will be out now for Schroeder and. A lot will be made of these next few weeks. It's an important month for him, I think, September. Where will it go for him? But it's looking good so far, and I hope it continues um, for a Dutch club's sake in Europe. Um, but it could mean that, of course, that there's, there's a new title winner this season. But could it be PSV, final or somebody else? I think final a, a team that I perhaps discount a little for a title race um, early in the summer. But they, they signed lots of players. They've still got on a slot as manager. And they've come out of the start of the season relatively unscathed. 13 points out of five games. Talk to me about them. Do you think that they will have this run um, in the league in Europe? They've got such a big squad now to cope that if they settle down and they're actually really good players, such as Szymanski, who seems like an awesome attacking midfielder, then they could they could really win this league. Yeah, I think that, you know, Feyenoord have had a very encouraging summer, I think that the signings that they've made and some of the players that they've, they've lost have been replaced with good replacements. I think that I'd worry defensively. I think they were really poor um, this weekend defensively. Yeah, and some stuff. Yeah. Right? yeah. Um, they shipped three goals against the side. They shipped, shipped three goals against and, mm. you know, ended up winning um, four or three. But I think going forward, they look good with, as you said, Szymanski, I think he looks like an absolute excellent signing. Um, Delroson's chipping in with the goals and yeah I think that they've got enough options on the bench now that if some things aren't going well they do have a couple of players that they can bring on to change the game I think you know looking at it defensively and they did well without Gertrauda who I think is key for them um, but even Justin Bio I think had a, a poor game at the weekend and he's so usually so reliable so you know they're going to have to be more defensively sound than they were at the weekend to, to win the title but I think it's going to be an exciting um, season ahead for Feyenoord because they have done well on the transfer window. They have got enough talented players to to mount a real challenge for the for their division title. And I think in the 
and on a slot they have arguably the best manager out of the top three. So yeah, I think that they are going to be closer to what the top two are um, than they were last season. So yeah, um, I'm excited to see what they can do. And I think that they've got a good group in Europe as well to challenge themselves. You know, they've got Lazio up this week. You know, they can't defend as they did the weekend against Lazio to get battered. But yeah, I think that it's a good test for them. You know, they go to Rome and maybe get a bit of revenge for the loss to Roma last season. But yeah, I like Feyenoord this season. I think it, it could be another positive year. They got to a European final last year. You know, you can look at winning in the, the cup, you can look at winning the league and you can look at going quite far in Europe. So yeah, Feyenoord look good. Mm. They, they could, um, they should be getting through that Europa League group that they're in and then going away to Lazio. You never know. They could really turn up there and, and put up a great performance the, the early season form was suggesting. A team that very quickly this season we, we jumped upon the bandwagon of was PSV and then they lost 2-1 away at Twente. Sort of like their first tough fixture of the season in the league. Add that on top of the Rangers disappointment. And then you're looking at something a bit like last season where they were able to win those easier games quite well, look really convincing, but then play a top team and look completely over... Like, well, not, maybe not overrun against Rangers, that's probably the wrong way of putting it. But they were very ordinary against Rangers. And then the 20 match, they they were it was chance after chance, wasn't it? So what does Van Nistelrooy have to do? He's still got a lot of work to do, hasn't he? It's not as going to be as simple as, as him just coming in. He's got, he's got some things to change. Yeah, I think that at, before the season started, I thought that PSV had solved the, the biggest problem. But I don't think they have because... Joe Drama was was the reason that they lost many games last season, and I thought Walter Benitez coming in would would stop that. But you know, Walter Benitez is the reason why they've not had that great a start to the season in the Champions League, and also um, against Juventus. Yeah. Well. I think defensively, him and and Romalho have both had really really difficult starts to the season, um, mm. and they really need Boscagli back. I think he's back in training. But I think him coming back into the starting eleven to shore up that defence would be would be huge. Yeah. And, at the weekend, I think that Luke de Jong was a huge miss. Um, you know, watching you know, the first half, they played Simmons through the middle as a sort of false nine. And for some reason, they, they thought the best plan was just to pump it along to him. Yeah, it's like, why, why are you trying to pump it along to someone that's so small? Throwing all these aerial challenges. And then the second half, they moved him into midfield and it looked a lot better. You know, you can say that Van Nistelrooy did something well there and you can say that, you know, they, in the second half they improved a lot, but he just couldn't get that, that equalising goal after pulling one back. But, yeah, I think that defensively they're not as strong as they should be and up front, Luke Young's a, a big miss because you don't really have that second striker since they've let Carlos Vinicius go. And I don't think Jorbe Pertessens has just come back from, from an injury and the jury's still out on just how good he can be. So we'll see what sort of impact... Anuel Ghazi can have, you know, where do they defer him and does you know, Bakayoko and Sabari drop down to the bench and he goes on the right, Gakpo on the left and Luke De Jong from the middle. We'll see if that, that works out. But after a very, very promising start to the season, it seems to have just fallen off a bit for PSV because, you know, I thought they would easily win that return game against Rangers having got a draw away and, you know, they probably should have won away if it wasn't for some horrific goalkeeping. But yeah, that's like they were just so passive and just Rangers, you know, could have won that game 2-3-0 and they were that bad. So 
yeah. Um, it's, it's difficult to say because I still think that they have the capability of winning the league and the fact that they've kept Sangari and, and Gakpo means that they are going to challenge for it. But, you know, they're too error-prone at the moment to yeah. to really manage yeah. that. And they have beaten all the sides that they should be beaten. And as you say, the first time that they come against the real test, you know, they lose. So, you know, when they come up against Ajax and Feyenoord and AZ, are they going to be able to, to win those games? So that's that's what Bannister I need to work against, you know, getting them ready for the big games. Mm. Let's talk about RZ out, Mark. Pascal Janssen was under criticism from us and also the supporters of RZ. Like, they didn't seem to be improving the team. Um, there just seem to be big big gaps in the team in terms of the creativity from the wings. Not of quality there. Defensively, the goalkeeper is an issue. I mean, how much of that can you blame Janssen for if he's not being back financially? To begin with, it seems to be anyway. Um, and also not able to get a new goalkeeper in. But they they seem to have well they they, they have responded to their loss to Dundee United. They've won seven out of eight, unbeaten in those eight, five clean sheets, and I I, I think that they're back amongst that. You know, could push for top three. Twente also looking very good despite them being knocked out of Europe. I thought that's so unfortunate how they got knocked out. But um yeah, I I, said, I, I think they've got some tests ahead. You know, they play Ajax soon, and they've got Twente next weekend. In Europe, they've got a, dare I say, it, easy, easy group in the Conference League. They should be top of that, six wins out of six. So things look good for them. Um, do, what do they do? I mean, they've got is it Mihailovic? Is this new American player who can come in, in, in as a number ten? My um, playing with a striker. You never know. Pavlidis is out injured for a little while now. Um, no real backup striker there. So, well, what do you make of them so far? Yeah, I think it'd be good to see about Mihailovic. He's not joining until until January because he's they've let him stay oh, until the end of the season. Yeah, they let him stay until the end of the season's over until he comes. But they've spent a lot of money on him, um, so it's interesting to see what he can do when he comes in. But yeah, I think the season's been, you know, go off to a horrible start with that loss to Dundee United, but then they sort of rectified it in the second leg. Um, but yeah, I think that I don't know if. They're ready to challenge for the league. I don't think they're ready for that yet. I still think squad depth-wise, Pascal Janssen doesn't like to rotate very much, and he only rotates if he's forced into it. So if Pavlidis comes out, you know, Odgaard comes in, but he doesn't really make any real changes to start 11. And if they're playing twice a week, he needs to do that. He needs to rotate, but does he have the options to to rotate? And I think he does to an extent. Um, I think defensively, they are a bit short. You know, Bruno Martins Indies out at the moment. Um, I've seen a youngster come in, Mies back, and he's done done well. You know, you're still playing Hazidiakos at, at right back, and yeah. and Sugwa has been back for for quite a while, but it seems that he's not getting the the game time that he usually gets. But I think that the young youngsters come on the wing. Van Brodrod, he looks very very good at you know just starting attacks and getting the ball up the other end of the pitch. I think he's one of the, the top dribblers in the, the week so far this season. He, so he looks like a real talent. And you know, midfielder Jordi Classy, and I think Johnny Reinders has had an excellent start to the season. Now, I, was, I was really surprised to read reports that they could have even sold him um, yeah. 20 being yeah. because I think that he's been up there possibly the best player of the season so far. He keeps yeah. chipping in with yeah. goals. So I think keeping him was, was a really good idea. And yeah, I think that they are going to be, I think they will finish fourth this season. I think that they are just a couple of players short 
a being able to challenge for for the top three because I don't think that Janssen's going to rotate, and I think that it's going to come back to bite him if there's a couple of couple of injuries, key players if they get or if they get tired. So we'll see how they do. I think they've got, as you say, the Conference League group isn't isn't the toughest. You know, there's a couple of unknowns in there. You know, there's Dnipro minus one. You know, they beat Dynamo Kiev, I think, 3-0 the other week. So, but you just don't know in the Ukrainian league how how good these sides are, and they're not being they're not playing in Ukraine, they're playing Slovakia um, this week. So, we'll wait and see how good what they are. But it's a bit of a journey into the unknown. But yeah, he said, you know, after another summer where they've probably not spent as much money as they could have, um, they've not really lost any really key players, and I think that they can be happy with it throughout the season. Yeah, they can. Um, we're running short of time, so I'd like to know, Mike, what are, what are two things that have joined to your attention in the bottom half of the Eredivisie table so far? I think for me, um, the first one has been the, the absolute shocker, which has been Fortuna Sittar's start to the season. Second, sure Sorte so quickly, and then allowing Borak Yomaz to sort of rule his roost over the, the team in the training sessions. I, I find that so wild. And then not to have a replacement lined up. Um, yeah, it's, it's just not a good look for them, which is a shame. Um, and the other one has been Volendam, kind of being absolutely inconsistent and one weekend keeping a clean sheet against Twente, and then all of a sudden conceding seven against PSV and four against Sparta. They're a team I think that are going to be one to try and hard to try and pin down this season as to what, what they are. And they've got some decent strikers, but they, they've continued what they had last season which is scoring lots and looking good sometimes and then conceding lots but at least well, they'll be a good watch for a lot of people how about you what are two things that are kind of drawing your attention yeah I think I would agree with Fortuna Sittard you know it's such a you know we did the pre-season podcast and I was like oh you know it's a team that could watch to maybe break into European spots but yeah. so far it was like absolute shambles and um, you know Yilmaz is scoring penalties but you know, they can't really make him play a coach and I think whoever they make Head coach is going to be a, a huge decision because if they get that wrong, then you know, they could become relegation candidates um, based on their start of the season. So I've seen Philip Koku linked with it. Um, you know, a big name like that would probably provide a boost um, to, to see the squad on. But yeah, I mean, I've given Yamaz too much power, I think. And if, if he played a role in you know, sacking a head coach, then he's sort of taking over. You know, it's not a really good, good look. Um, for the club or for, for him himself and especially with him being bottom of the table without a single point. So yeah, that's that's one to, to keep an eye on just to see if they can recover or if they're gonna be be near the bottom. You know, the other so uh, the club that I've sort of pinpointed to have a good season that really haven't started off well would be would be Utrecht. You know, I expected more from them. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so the season with the players that they've signed in they even brought in a couple more towards the end of the window with, with Jens Trinstra, um coming in. So I, I think they'll get better as the season goes on, but you know, them being in the, the bottom half with only one win so far from their first five games is was a bit of a shock to me. So yeah, I think that those two clubs are the ones that I thought were, were primed for, for really good seasons and have not really started off that way. And Hank Fraser, I don't think he's going to start either. That's the point of the Sparta right about to then have the start he's had with the tracks. He could be sat really quickly if things don't get better. Mm. Um, just to say, everyone, if you've enjoyed this podcast, do give it a big like and subscribe if, if you're new. Um, 
don't forget to comment down below if there's anything that's caught your interest today. Any thoughts in particular on the Netherlands national team? Your thoughts in the start of the Eredivisie season? Let us know. But we need to finish, Mike, on Memphis Depay begin, um, saying he was going to stay at Barcelona. He obviously feels as though Van Gaal will, will, will still pick him for his World Cup squads and um, still be given opportunities. The, the same happened with Cody Hapo. He stayed at PSV because Van Gaal kind of gave him a nudge to say, I think it's best for, you, for your development to do that. So why do you think Memphis decides to stay in Spain? It's it's a strange one to me because, you know, he's linked heavily with with Juventus, but that fell through because he was demanding, according to, to reports, he was demanding astronomical wages to move to, to Juventus. And I just don't see why he wouldn't want to go to Juventus um, because right now he's in, he's in a hopeless situation. You know, he's probably not even fifth choice attacker for him. He's probably sixth <laughs> choice. And he's only going to get to come in if there's injuries or if, you know, if Lewandowski drops out, he's going to get replaced by Fati. And then at the wings, they've got Rafinha Dembele. And even if they drop out, they've got Ferran Torres. So, I mean, you know, Xavi's not even giving them five, ten minutes at the end. He's just not getting game time at all. And even in the Champions League, you know, Barcelona are going to want to do something in that competition this year. And if they start off with Victoria Pelsen, I think this weekend, they're probably going to go with the strongest eleven again. And that's means Memphis isn't going to get any minutes until it comes to cup games. Um, and then some maybe some really or league teams that, you know, if they think that Lewandowski needs a rest before a big game, they might give them some time. But, you know, that's not what Memphis should be be hoping for at this stage of his career where World Cup coming up where he's going to be the starting striker. He should be wanting to play week in, week out and be the star yeah. of the show. Yeah. And I don't really know why when he's so such a determined player with such a high ceiling, why you would just settle for for being nothing but a bench player at, at Barcelona when he had offers and he had a chance to go. And, you know, you know Barcelona were actually willing to, to terminate his contract to let him go for free if he found an agreement with another club. But clearly no clubs came that he thought were of his calibre or were willing to offer the money that he wanted. So yeah, it's disappointing yeah. to me because I like to see Memphis play and I want to see him play week in, week out and score goals. But you, know, you must just feel that he's that integral to this Netherlands side that whatever he does, he's not going to get dropped. Mm. And he's probably right. You know, Van Gaal is probably not going to drop him. But if he's going to World Cup in in November, not playing a single game for, for Barcelona or even playing just one in every six, he's not. He's going to be rusty. He's not going to get the, the some sort or even near to what other top strikers going to that tournament are going to have. Um, you know, you can say, oh, you'll be going to a tournament fresh, but you don't, you don't want to be going to a tournament having played no games because then you're, you're rusty. You don't want that as a, as a striker. You want to be going into a tournament scoring goals and looking confident. So, yeah, it's, it's a worry for me, given that he is so integral to Netherlands. And I'd rather have seen him go to a club where he's going to play week in, week out, even if it's back to somebody like a Leon or a Marseille or even he's going to link to somebody like Sociedad, you know, if it, if it means I'm playing every single week, it's, it's a lot better than, than sitting on a bench and doing nothing. Let's mm. sort of get some games. Let's see what he's like in the Netherlands. Uh, two fixtures coming up as well. And just to say to everybody that we'll be doing more content, of course, on footballdanny.com ahead of these two uh, Netherlands fixtures coming up. And stay tuned as well for more kind of podcasty stuff 
coming in the next few weeks. Yeah, thanks for watching. Give a like if you enjoyed it.